Good morning, folks. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. Happy, happy Easter? No. Merry Easter? No, we say that at Christmas time. Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas. What do we say at Easter again? Oh, we don't say Easter. We say He's risen. Uh, you, you have to say it as much as you can because it's the one time of the year where you use the word indeed. Right? I just, I love that word, but I, I need to find more excuses for when I can use it. Hey, um, I hope you're ready for this morning. I, th- I hope you enjoyed worship. I love some of the things that just happened. We're actually going to talk about them in a second. Um, but did you bring your towel? This is not my, my veil or my sash or anything. This is not decorative on purpose. In fact, I'm taking it off right now because I'm going to use it in a little bit because we're doing a baptism at the end. And uh, would love for you to stick around after the last song. Uh, we're going to be right up there and we'll end the service from there. So uh, very exciting on Easter Sunday, which has kind of been a tradition of a few years back. We said, you know, on the big holidays, you know, like our Super Bowl, right? On Easter and Christmas, what if, what if we gave people the opportunity to be baptized, right? Uh, Jesus set the example. John the Baptist started before Jesus was baptized. He was doing it. It was practiced by the early church, preached by Peter and Paul, and it's a public profession of faith, and, and we all are called uh, to baptism, and uh, why not do it on the best holidays? So uh, that's what we're doing this morning. I'll introduce that at the end later. We'll, we'll find out who's getting uh, baptized and such. It's the one who brought a towel, just, right? Uh, But uh, I just wanted to reiterate a couple things. Uh, Thanks, Bryce, for highlighting our men's ministry. Our Monday and our Wednesday are the exact same curriculum. It's really about which owl you are. You're a night owl or early bird, okay? Uh, But not this week. Not this week. Uh, No hay nadie esta, esta semana. Porque hay mucha gente de esta iglesia en México. Now, I probably shouldn't speak in Spanish because then people who speak Spanish are going to come up to me and they'll be like, he speaks Spanish, and they'll start rattling stuff off. I practiced those three sentences for like a half an hour. Uh, There aren't going to be anybody here this week because we got a bunch of our people, uh, almost uh, about 20-ish of us, down in Mexico, uh, building homes, serving with our missionaries down there, Dennis, Debbie, Sergio, um, and I'm really, really conflicted about it because they sent me pictures last night of the tacos they were eating at the taco stand. And so I, 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 I'm trying to be happy for them, but I'm a little bitter at the same time, <laughs> right? Um, so please be praying for them. That's where our, some of our students are and some of our student leaders. And this is why, you know, kind of this week uh, is spring break this coming week. And so uh, some of those things are, are not going on. I believe women's ministry is still meeting, um, but connect with uh, Nicole or Judy or uh, any of the ladies and find out um, from them. All right, you guys ready? Uh, because he, he has risen, and we're going to talk about it, okay? And I want to take us into one of our famous uh, biblical passages about uh, the resurrection and Easter, and yet... Um, it's kind of like a second fiddle sometimes. Uh, we, we love to do the John chapter because, uh, you know, they went out and John ran on ahead and all this kind of stuff and the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's a great passage uh, in John. But I want us to do Luke this morning. Um, so a little bit of my bias is I like to point out some things you might not have seen before in church. I want you to really understand it because I got about 20-something years uh, through the church and realized there was a bunch nobody ever told me. 
And so uh, I want to point out some fun things, and I want us to look at the Luke passage this week uh, and have a little fun with it. And actually, we're going to continue with the Luke passage next week um, and look at what happened after Easter, um, because they go together, all right? And we have a tradition at our church of doing, um, they call it exegetical teaching, but let's skip the fancy words and just say, we look at passages and we, and we follow them in progression rather than just taking a verse or having a theme and then several different points with verses from a bunch of other places. Rather than shotgun our way around the scripture, we're just going to work our way through it because I want to understand it. Amen. I hope you're with me. Uh, Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be this morning uh, and we're going to be verses 1 through 12. And so that's where we are. You've got an outline you can follow along. Uh, you do not need to take notes. If you, there is no test at the end, okay? Uh, the test is in heaven, and good luck, <laughs> right? Uh, but before we get started, let's, let's pray, um, and then we'll get going. Lord, thank you for this morning, and thank you for uh, Easter, for all that it represents. Thank you for what you proved about yourself, about your son and about your spirit, about what you want, about what you're capable of, about how you feel. And I thank you, Lord, for all we get to see, all we get to hear, read, and understand. I pray, Lord, that you would take us from where we have been to where you could have us be, making progress, growing in maturity, uh, building our faith, and doing it in a way that it benefits, blesses others, and edifies us, helps us grow. And so, Father, I, I pray that you be with our passage this morning as we uh, talk about it. Pray that you would uh, bless our time, have your spirit guide it. And we pray this in the one who rose on the third day, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. You should be up on the screen if you're following along. Uh, but on the first day of the week... Uh-oh, it's Sunday already. What happened to Friday, Good Friday, and uh, Monday, Thursday, and Lord's Supper? Well, we, we talked about that Thursday night. We had our Lord's Supper service, kind of a tradition of our church. We, we've never done a Good Friday service. Uh, there's a bunch of places to do that. We thought we'd want to have a dinner, right? We're trying to be Baptist, I think, by having food, right? Um, and we talked about this whole Passion Week, all the things that, that happened, all the expectations the prophecies, what was said about Jesus and what Jesus said about himself. Uh, and Thursday night, he takes the disciples, he sits down, washes their feet, has a meal and says, I need you to remember. And one of the things we talked about Thursday, we won't cover, is why did he want them to remember? And here's, here's the short version of Thursday if you missed it. Because 24 hours later, they were going to go through the shock of their life the shock of all ages, because the one that was supposed to be the Messiah, the coming king, the deliverer, the Messiah, the suzerain, all of a sudden he's dying on the cross and the disciples are scattered and they have no idea what to do. That's Friday. Saturday comes and what happens on Saturday? Nothing. I think Saturday should have a name during Passion Week. I don't, if somebody ever finds out what Saturday is supposed to be called other than Saturday, but, you know, Saturday is just the seventh day of the week. It's the day of rest. It's kind of interesting. Everything happens on Friday, and then nothing happens on Saturday. 
It's like God keeps his own Sabbath commandment. And then the first day of the week shows up, Sunday. It's over. Uh, everything they thought was prophesied must have been a lie. And, and they just don't know what to do. And I, and I want you to see the faith that's still there. Because uh, where are the disciples? They're running for the hills. Peter's denied Christ three times. The whole place is a mess. But I want you to see what happens in spite of all that. Okay? Because we got some great leaders come out of this. Early at dawn, which is, by the way, why some churches do a sunrise service on Easter. It's in honor of that. Early at dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Hmm, who's they? It says they. It's a good pronoun, but it's not specific enough, right? They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The stone had been rolled away. And they were perplexed. Why were they confused? That stone shouldn't have been moved. It's almost like Sunday, they're getting more of the same. Things keep happening that are unexpected, that they can't explain, that should not have happened. And what they believe to be true has to constantly be reshaped. And they're doing that on Sunday as well. Uh, no body of Jesus, okay? They should have found the stone in place, and they should have found the body of Jesus. They found neither, right? And why were they were perplexed about this? Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Any guesses? Dazzling is the key. Men, not so much. Angels, right? And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? This is a very interesting phrase uh, because I think it's grammatically incorrect, right? Were they looking for the living? No, they saw what happened on Friday. Who were they looking for? They were looking for the dead, right? They were supposed to find Jesus' dead body there and they're looking for the dead and he's not there. They came looking for the dead but the angels twisted up on him even in the question that they asked, right? Don't you hate it when somebody uh, gives you a leading question where you, you are going another direction and they ask you a question that forces you in the direction they want you to go? It's called manipulation. The two angels manipulate these, whoever the they are, we're going to find that out in a second, to make sure they know, they know that although they thought they were looking for the dead, what were they really looking for? The statement they're making and implying and forcing them into, and the question that they ask is, Jesus is not dead, he is risen, he's alive. You were supposed to say he's risen indeed, okay? Fail. All right, we'll see if second service gets it, okay? Um, so he's saying, hey, Jesus is alive. Do you know that you're looking for the living? Aren't, do you know that you're looking for life? You're not looking for death. Anybody here looking for death? No. What are you looking for? Get your outline out. Took it, look at the top. What's it say? What's your outline say at the top? Looking for life. And don't know it. Folks, there's a whole sermon in this, this phrase. How culture is looking for death and they don't know it. They're chasing stuff that leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a man and its end leads to destruction. 
uh, angels kind of are implying, uh, don't do that. Something more is going on. In fact, you've been confused and surprised for the last four days. Guess what? The confusion and surprise is going to continue, right, with the biggest one of all. Uh, remember, he, uh, he's not here, verse 6. He's not here, but has risen. I'm going to pray for you all. <laughs> remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on, and on the third day rise. Do you remember that he said that? What did Jesus say Thursday night with the disciples? He said, do this in remember. Remember. He said, the Son of Man told you. He called his shot. You were worried about all these other prophecies and how they were going to play out. You missed probably the biggest prophecy. It came from Jesus himself. I'm going to be delivered into the hands of sin, sinful men. I'm going to be crucified and on the third day rise. Now, however much they were told this, or however much they believed it, when it finally happened, they all jumped ship. Oh, he must be speaking figuratively, right? You can imagine the disciples talking to each other. He didn't really mean it that way. It was probably like that story of the talents, or, or, or the uh, dropping the seed along the side of the road. It, it wasn't literal, it was figurative. No, the angel's here to say, Yes, Jesus is a great figurative teacher, but he does literal better than anybody else. Absolutely. They remembered his words, verse 8, verse 9. And returning to, uh, from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Wait a minute. Don't switch the slide there, guys. They went and told all of this to the eleven. Okay. I know it's Sunday, it's church, it's Easter, and you don't want to do math. If they're telling the 11, then who was not there with the angels at the tomb when the stone was rolled, right? The 11 weren't there. They had to be told. Who were the 11? Any guesses? The disciples, okay? We ask very easy questions at Rock Bible Church. They were not the disciples. Someone else went to the tomb first. And someone else had faith to go and see what happened. Someone else gave a testimony. Aren't you dying to know who they were? Let's find out. They told the 11 and the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna. Pretty sure not my cousin, Joanna. Uh, and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Now, I know for some of you, are like, well, Scott, I know you're doing math, but I'm not really sure. I mean, it could have been the two of the disciples. Uh, nope. Now, the very next sentence, we get the actual truth. These three ladies. Wait, I thought it was two ladies. Well, you read a different passage. Well, how come in one it says two and another says three? Who knows? Who cares? They're both accurate. If there was three there, then were there two there? No way. Right? Um, but other women? There was three ladies that we know by name. Whoever Luke is writing to, the, 
knows the names of three these three ladies and so includes these three ladies. But there were other women there. How many? Six? Twelve? I don't know. When women travel, they, they travel in packs? I, I don't know. I've never been one. So still trying to figure them out. Uh, what does this tell you? The women rose to the occasion. The women had faith. Women show up. And in a, in a culture and an age when women's testimony was not viable in court, what did the disciples do? They weren't sure what to do, right? Watch this. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Man, the boys are learning another lesson, aren't they? Guys, you're not the only show in town. Can I get an amen? Amen. I wonder what it would have been like if the men showed up. But what I love about Scripture, every, almost every single time in Scripture, when the men fail to lead, who rises the occasion? Women. It's why we emphasize men's ministry in church. Wait, that's backwards, Scott. No, because I don't want to have a church where the men don't rise to the occasion, where the women have to lead. Do we want women to lead? Say yes. Do we want to let men off the hook because the women are leading? No. Right? We want them all. Well, some, some of the guys are a little confused. It sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> Write their names down. <laughs> uh, but Peter, Peter decided, well, wait, what? Now, Peter gets mocked so much in, in, in Scripture, steps out of the boat and sinks, cuts off the soldier's ear, and Jesus says, what are you doing? Right? Then they ask him, hey, do, I thought you know Jesus. And denies him three times. Peter gets a bad rap in so many ways, but watch what happens here. Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Peter stood and looked in and saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. I love that a man... And another man, too. He's not mentioned here, but from another scripture, we know that Peter and John both went. Um, John's apparently a better athlete. The other passage tells us that he ran on ahead. But there were women that rose to the occasion and made an effort. And there were men that rose to the occasion and made an effort. And that made all the difference. Good news. You can be one of those, too. You can either be a woman that makes an effort and does some leading, or you can be a man that makes an effort and does some leading. What do you say? We want to follow the example of Christ, because who showed up on the scene, believed, had faith, followed God's direction all the way to the end, led and made a difference? Jesus, right? Well, uh, boy, this is great news, right? Uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word, Amen. Um, and folks, this is, uh, this is why we do church. I joke, uh, you know, Easter and, and, and Christmas are our Super Bowl, right? As if sports could ever compare. And this is why we're here. We say welcome to Rock Bible Church. Why do we say that? Because we want people here. And we say welcome to Rock Bible Church. What do we want them to know? That this is the guy that we're centered on. We say, welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ 
It's the first thing we say. We're centered on Christ, biblically based, and we're compelling ourselves and others to Him. Why? Because on Easter, He proved more things than we could ever explain. Did He give us a window into who He is? Say yes. I'm going to ask a bunch of questions, and you're going to say yes. Okay, this is an exercise in your ability to follow directions, all right? Did he give us a picture of who he is? Does he give us a picture of uh, what he cares about? Did he give you a picture of your value? Did he show you what he's capable of? Did he make a definitive statement on sin? Did he make a definitive statement on sacrifice? What, uh, I, almost, I almost asked a question that didn't require a yes answer. I know, but stick with me, okay? If you can, your, your uh, pastor t- today and however long you stay has challenges, okay? Um, did he conquer death? Did he leave the door wide open for everything else? He absolutely did. That's why I like to say, never limit the cross to your salvation. The cross is your salvation. What Jesus did on the cross, what he did with sin and all this, true. But it's much more than that as well, right? He could build your confidence, yeah? To the point where you could stand in front and talk to people in public, butcher some Spanish. He can give you a lot of opportunities, but it takes effort, right? In fact, Get your outline, first fill in, effort. What do we see? We see all these uh, ladies first, and then the guys, they went, they took, they ran, they looked, right? What's that? That's effort. People so often tell me, hey, God, I don't feel him, I don't experience him, I'm not sure what he's doing. It's like, well, what have you tried? It's like going in a kitchen and saying, you know, I don't feel full. Well, did you taste anything? Did you cook anything? Did you try the stuff that's supposed to be raw? I mean, you got to be able to do this a little bit if you want to input something into your system. Yo, God is no different. Well, I, I thought he did everything on the cross, that we are saved by his grace and his grace alone. Yes, that's true. And then he hands you a uniform and cleats and says, now get on the field and do something about it. I want to see if you're on the team. I want to see if you want to play. And never fails. Those who play win. Now, sometimes they have a bad first half. Or the third quarter stinks. They might fall behind or get injured. But in the end, they they win. They overcome. In fact, I got a little verse at the end. I'm going to share about this. Uh, Do we need to make an effort? Absolutely. Is it more than just because uh, Peter, John, and Joanna and the other ladies, is it it more than just because they made an effort? We want to follow that example too. But folks, maybe a little thing you could write down as a thought I had with this fill-in is that our effort follows the effort Jesus gave. Effort matters. I coach soccer because I enjoy pain. Um, one of the things I love to explain 
to the soccer players is, I don't care if you fail. I want to see if you try. I love it. I think it's biblical. And I think it is actually how you win games. Right? Uh, so effort one, uh, we got to go and, and take things with us. We got to see what we can find. We got to run. We got to look. Right? But then secondly, um, uh, we got to check out the results. You know, when you make it an effort, then there's results. Right? It's kind of like science. You know, experimentation. You have a premise, you put some effort in, and then you see what comes out of the experiment, right? Uh, we're Christians, we're scientists. You know this, right? Because uh, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, there was this war, Christians versus science. Wrong. Our boss is the creator of science. It all points to who he is. Now, if you're unable to understand how they go together, recognize that as just your shortcoming. But we're science people. And we make an effort with God. We do our own experiment with God. We want to see results, right? We want to see him delivered, crucified, risen. If somebody just wrote that and said, well, we believe this is what happened, eh, it's kind of like when you find out that they actually went there, they touched, they saw, they talked to people, there was no body, the, the stone was rolled away, all of a sudden, you, those are called, in experimentation, those are called, starts with ob and rhymes with vacation. They're observations. Do you expect to observe anything in your relationship with the Lord if you make zero effort? My dad used to say, and I found it to be very true, you tried nothing, and so you got Nothing. It's a weird little equation there, right? Um, we we want to see results. And the reason we want to see results is because we recognize the results Jesus had. We recognize the results that the disciples and these ladies had in their effort. Did something come out of it? Yeah. What did those ladies see? And do you think that you could ever shake them again any day after that? Who do you think those women were? They were the baddest, meanest, smartest, most intelligent, accomplishing, take-no-prisoner women on the planet. Don't you think? What did the disciples do? They changed the world. Why? Because they saw results. You know, part of what Easter is about is for us buying into that and testing the water. So we want to we want to look for results in our efforts. We want to do that because of the disciples' efforts, these women's efforts, and Jesus' efforts, and the results that they had. We want to see if we can have them too. Little phrase I put with this is our observation of His results sets the stage for us to have true results. And here's a little life reality for you. Every single one of us is looking for results. You're looking for results. Start paying attention to where you actually get true results and when you get fake results. You ever had fake results? You buy the part, oh, this will solve your problem. You buy the part, oh, and it's inexpensive. And you take it home and it solves the, part, solves the problem for 14 minutes. And then because it's plastic and you only paid $1.99 for it, it breaks and you're back to the hardware store. Do you have one made out of metal? 
God's the metal, folks. Everything else is plastic. No, officially Rock Bible Church does not have anything against plastic. Okay? Just sometimes. Okay? Uh, so results. Thirdly and lastly, uh, we noticed that they were perplexed, frightened. They remembered the guys, it seemed like an idle tale. Then they marveled. What's going on there? This is all evaluation. They're used in wisdom from their efforts and the results, and they're drawing conclusions, aren't they? Gosh, he's really beating this science experimentation analogy to death. Yeah, they're thinking about it. They're trying it. And then they're changing how they think. Did it say they agreed? They found what they thought they were going to find? No. They confirmed? No. What did we get? They were perplexed. They're not sure what's going on. Right? They were frightened. Why? Because what they thought was true was not true. They remembered. Why? Because they had forgotten. And that's how we have to be. We have to be the type of people who make an effort, follow the results, and then reshape our thinking the way he thinks. Then what we're doing won't seem idled. Then we might uh, accept the testimony of someone we were meant to accept the testimony from rather than let our ego get in the way or our thinking get in the way. And we get to the point where we could marvel and say, oh. Then we can sing with conviction what we sang earlier this morning. Where does my help come from? See, the game's not over. In fact, the cross and Easter and the tomb roll, that's just the beginning. You realize this? My whole world opened up when I found out that the cross wasn't the end and now I've got salvation because I said a prayer one time, raised my hand, walked to the front or whatever it was and thought, well, I got fire insurance, now I'm going to heaven. Now I'm going to go do whatever I want. No, somebody introduced the idea to me that, oh, now we're just beginning. In fact, you think the disciples' story is the gospels. Jesus taking them around, correcting them, doing some teachings. No, no, no. If you really look at history, when did the game really start for the disciples? Sunday. When the tomb was empty, Jesus proved so many things. And now we're in the fourth quarter. It's time to win the game. And they're flying. You see, folks, we're, we're not just freed from death. We're freed for life. Are you looking for life? Sometimes we look at uh, Easter and Christianity as some kind of how, uh, death insurance. What if, what if today was the beginning of your future rather than, well, I'm, I just want to be secure today? In fact, the Bible tells us that in Christ, you, you know, more than just winning, more than just getting forgiveness or salvation, more than just getting Jesus or understanding. You know, it says that in him we are more than conquerors. I must apologize. I've been spinning on this since I turned in my notes for all that. You know, they make slides. Our AV team, love them. They do this every week. But I came up with something after I gave them the slides. So I want to read this for you. It's this idea that we're more than conquerors. 
It comes from Romans. Paul writes this, chapter 8, and it says this. What then shall we say to these things? Great question to ask on Easter. If all this stuff is true, if Luke and John and all these passages are true, and, and all across the world, in every country, people are meeting on this day to celebrate it, what should we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Doesn't that sound like the game's just beginning? You want a good life? You want a good job? You want a good marriage? You want to be calm, confident? You want to stop your insecurity? You want to have hope for the future? There's so many things that he wants you to have. In fact, all things, it says, all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine. Sorry, I had to emphasize that one. Uh, Nakedness, danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Is that all we have to look forward to? You know, in this life we lose. We get put to death, fed to the lions back then. Now we get crucified in social media. The pandemic has killed churches. Drawn people away from the church. We even get technical interference when we're trying to preach about Jesus. Right? Which is amazing because usually I'm, I'm so OCD that nothing distracts me. But isn't there more than that? Because Jesus said we're more than conquerors. Paul says it this. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Folks, we have life. John 10.10 says it this way. I have come that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Other translations say that you might have it to the full. How about we stop worrying about what other people are doing and what this looks like or that looks like or which law or which politics or how much you make or any of that stuff or whether your hair's falling out. Ooh, it just got personal. And let's look at what he can do and wants to do. Let's be a little perplexed so that we can then marvel. My last phrase for this was the idea that our acceptance of his reality brings us to true life. Amen? He is risen. He is risen indeed. How can you live? What do you want to live for? Because he has yet to snatch any of you up to heaven. So he has you here for a reason. Amen? Figure it out. We can help. Kind of like Home Depot. A little different. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going we're gonna to pray now for the offering and such. And then we're going to have the band come up and do another song while we get prepped for our baptism. So stick around. Okay? And you people online, don't you dare turn it off. It's part of why we're here. Lord, thanks for uh, your word. Thanks for the reality of who you are, what you care about, what you've done for us. Christ's ability to be obedient. And I pray, Lord, that um, 
you would show us that you were trying to bring life to us. Much like in the garden when you breathed life into Adam, you're still trying to breathe life into us. I thank you, Lord, that you can do that in unique, specific ways for each individual. I pray each of us would make an effort, see the results, and then decide. If you're here this morning and you've never decided that you want in, that you want to really follow this, I invite you to say, God, I'm, I'm in. I want, this is what I want. I want you from now on. And if that's you, you can raise your hand. You can come talk to us after. But you talk to God. You talk to him today. And then you let us help you. Ask him how he wants you to live. Father, we thank you for this offering. For getting to be in church. And we pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.